0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. And tonight I just want to jump right into this message. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. I'll preach something different this morning. And if you missed it, I think they were saying you can get it on the podcast or whatnot, but I felt like the Lord uh, was drawing me to this text uh, this evening. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 is where we're going to begin. Uh, my name is Rich. I come from Miami, Florida. Uh, I pastor a church there called Vu Church. We're about a year and a half into a church plant, and uh, God is doing amazing things. We're so grateful to see what He's doing. We're in five services now in a middle school. Uh, they start our, We start our day at 5.45 a.m., and they leave at 10 p.m., and uh, we're grateful for people that serve. How many know if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead, amen? And at Voot Church, we've got amazing, amazing servant leaders. And so I've been getting great reports today about what God is doing there. But um, I believe tonight I'm in the right place. And I believe that I've got a word on my heart for you. So feel free tonight to shout at me. You can say that's good. Uh, you can say amen. You can say preach it, white boy. I don't really care. But on the count of three, just try one of those so I know I'm in the right place. Ready? One, two, three. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. I'm going I'm to call Jensen and tell him you guys are racist, honestly. He's going to be mad when he hears about what's happening out here, Ben. Ooh. Hebrews 6, verse 13. Here's what the Bible says. Oh, I feel it. Here we go. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after... Waiting. Everyone say waiting. Waiting. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Verse 16, men swear by someone greater than themselves and the oaths confirm what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. Here we go, verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. One of the verse, real quick, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. I think it's up on the screen. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I just thought tonight, uh, 5 p.m. service tonight, I just felt like I would preach from the subject, an anchor called hope. An anchor called hope. And I believe tonight you're gonna be encouraged. So would you pray with me one more time? And as we go to God's word tonight, we're gonna believe he's gonna speak to us. Lord, we thank you so much that you're here. We thank you that we sent you in this place. We ask now that you begin to move in this house. Lord, we didn't come in here to see a person. We came in here to encounter the living God. So have your way tonight, Holy Spirit. Change us, transform us, mold us into the image of Jesus. We love you. It's in Jesus' mighty and holy name. Everybody said. Amen. Everybody said. Amen. Come on, if you love Jesus, make a little bit of noise in this house. <laughs> Um have you ever like maybe sometime in your life been um, waiting for something but it 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 never it never came i don't know if you have you ever had a situation where you felt like you were just you were waiting and waiting um i grew up in a um in, in a in a big home uh full of i've got three other brothers uh i've got lots and lots of cousins i was saying this morning to the services that i grew up i'm a fourth generation pentecostal preacher uh, on, on both sides of my family, okay? And so um, we, we, we grew up with like lots of traditions, and we grew up with uh, big, huge holidays, and one of the huge holidays in our house was Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, it, it was a big deal. Like, we would have 40, 50 people over the house, and the whole thing was fun. We ate, we, of course, we did the basic stuff, but but the main thing that kind of made our Thanksgiving different was that if you came to our Thanksgiving, you had to come prepared to participate in the talent show, and it's not a small talent show; it was a big deal. You had to come with a real talent. We had a bullet—you don't even know about this—a bulletin made a bulletin. Uh, there was a full program, and everybody had to participate. And throughout the years, uh, wonderful acts would come through. I remember one year my uncle—he was Elvis—that was a great uh, Thanksgiving. Um, one year he was Elton John, b b b b b b Benny and the Jets—you don't even know about that, it's okay. And I was always paired with my brothers. And uh, we would always do some sort of an act together. And I have an older brother. His name is John Fulton. And I don't know what it is, but it seems like older siblings sometimes, like, part of their mission in life is to make their younger siblings' life miserable, okay? And so we always got paired together. I remember one year we were Alvin and the Chipmunks. Of course, he was Alvin. I was the fat one, Theodore, you know? Um, One year we did Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse. And uh, my only, my whole part in the whole thing, I was the genie, and they put this like silver, like tinfoil box around my head, put red lipstick on me, and they would open it out and stuff to go hee, and then they close it. That was the whole scene. Like that was my whole contribution. So I was getting a little bit older, and um, I found out that our that our our play or our talent that year was that we were gonna put on a we were gonna put on a clown show. Now I was excited about this because I'm like, yeah, absolutely, I can participate in the clown act. And so um, I came to my brother and my older cousin, Ashley, and I was like, man, I'm really looking forward to this year for the clown show, and um, what are you, what's my part going to be? They said, Rich, we've been thinking about you, and we've come up with a part. I said, what's my part? They said, you're going to be Bozo the Clown. (laughs) Shut up. And um, I said, I said, I said, Bozo, I said, Bozo, okay, I was like, cool, I go, what are my lines? They said, that's the thing, Bozo, he doesn't speak, he has no lines, I'm like, okay, I feel like my gift is communication, but that's all right. I'll use body language. I'll do it. Okay. Um, I go, here's the scene. I'm like, what's the scene? This is the whole scene. Okay. They were going to be out on the stage and the stage was really cool too. It was like, it was like sheets that we had duct taped. I many you know you can do a lot with duct tape. We duct taped them to the roof and they were going to be out there. And all of a sudden they were gonna have this moment in the show. They were going to say, oh my goodness, we need a blue balloon. At that point, me, Bozo, I would come out from the back, not with a blue balloon, but with a shoe in my hand. Because that's hilarious, right? Okay. And so I would come out and they would say, no, Bozo, not a shoe. We need a blue balloon. And the, everyone's going to laugh, but you guys, okay, anyway. So um, I'm like, cool, that, that's my scene. I'm going to do this wholeheartedly. I'm going to do this passionately. I'm going to be committed. I'll be Bozo with the shoe. So I'm backstage, I'm pacing, I'm like, this is gonna, here we go, people are gonna go crazy when Bozo comes out. I'm gonna put my whole heart, my whole soul into this, This it's gonna be amazing. I'm back and forth, I'm pacing, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. My brother and my cousin, they're out there, they got the crowd in the palm of their hands. People are laughing, people are crying. Somebody gave their life to Jesus, I mean, it's awesome, okay? (laughs) And I'm backstage, like, when's this going down? Let's go, Bozo's about to go. Bozo's about to go. I'm, I'm doing the whole thing, you know? And they just keep going through the whole act. And finally, this is what I hear. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us at this year's annual Thanksgiving clown show. That is the end. I don't know what came over me, but it was the spirit of bozo. I said, oh, no, it's not. And I tore the freaking set down. I don't know. You haven't called my scene. My grandmother stood up and tried to cast a demon. I said, Nana, sit down in the name of Jesus. (laughs) How many know if you wait long enough in life, you might just go, Bozo. here's what the bible says the bible says hope deferred makes the heart grow sick and i always grew up in life going what does that mean deferred the word deferred means postponed or delayed so hope delayed hope deferred it makes my heart grow sick and if i could be honest i I know it's kind of a funny story but if i could try to lay out an analogy or a picture for some people tonight a lot of people in this room would say, Rich, if I could describe my life right now in the season that I feel like I'm in, I feel like I'm backstage, pacing, waiting for my scene to be called, but all I do is walk back and forth, back and forth, and nobody ever calls my scene. I feel deferred, Rich. Tonight in this room, there's some people that you've got a dream that's delayed. You have a dream that's deferred. And because you've been waiting, you have this temptation to start tearing things apart. You start tearing your life apart. You start tearing your values down. Some of you, you've torn your faith down. Some of you, you tore the relationship up because your scene wasn't called soon enough. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to land tonight right here in Hebrews chapter 6. And that is, I have a great encouragement for you. I don't know what your current situation looks like, but I believe if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your current situation does not have to dictate your future destination. There is always hope in Jesus Christ. Come on, does anybody in this place tonight believe you can find some hope in Jesus? Come on, in faith right now, give them about five seconds of praise all over this house. I think hope is rising tonight at free chapel hope right off the bat be like hope bro this is what you want to talk to me you want to talk about hope what's hope the truth of the matter is is like in church the bible says that these three things remain faith hope and love and faith gets a lot of talk and love gets a lot of talk but hope kind of just gets put in the corner and we don't actually really know what hope even means and some of us we've got the wrong definition of hope. a lot of us we just think hope is like wishful thinking you ever been like at a red light and you're late for work? You're like, "Dear God, I hope I get through this." Like that, that's that's wishful thinking. <laughs> you see, hope is not optimism. I'm all for optimism. I like optimism. The opposite is pessimism. You ever met a pessimistic person? How you doing? Not good. Okay, I'm out of here, bro. Like, I'd much rather you be positive than negative. But listen to me. Hope is not psychological. Hope is theological. Hope. The Bible says this. The Bible says, now faith is being sure of what I hope for and certain of what I cannot see. Hope is the building blocks of faith. Without hope, you can't have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But before you ever have faith, you first got to start with hope. So hope is an assurance, faith is an action. Come on, somebody. And so a good working definition of what hope is, is this. You can write this down tonight. Hope is a constant expectation that my God is working even when I can't sense him. So tonight, maybe you're in this place and you're saying, I can't trace God. Well, you can still trust God. Maybe you're saying, I can't feel God. Well, guess what? He still feels you. You can still find hope tonight in him. Because hope is an assurance that even when I don't sense him, I know that he's working. I love Hebrews chapter 6. And Hebrews chapter 6, we don't know who the writer is, but but the writer is writing to an audience and he's trying to inject hope into their life. And so the way that he does this is that he starts out with an illustration and he uses the illustration of a guy by the name of Abraham. Now, maybe you've come to church for a long time, so you're familiar with his story but maybe you're new to this faith community and you never heard of Abraham, let me tell you a bit about Abraham's story. Abraham, at 75 years of age, gets a promise from God. Not a small promise, a big promise. God shows up and says, yo, Abe, um, here's the deal. I'm fixing to bless you like you've never been blessed. I'm gonna curse those that curse you. I'm gonna hook you up. I'm gonna make you into a nation. That's awesome. I like that, amen. I'll pull it down from, I like it. But there's a problem with the promise. Abraham is 75 years of age, and he doesn't have even a son, let alone many sons to have a nation. But here we go. This is what you have to understand. If you want big promises from God, you better start getting willing to walk through big problems with God. The bigger the promise, the bigger the problem. See, I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but I got some problems in my life. And I'm learning in this season of my life that for every problem that I have, it's really just a platform for God to show off. And so instead of talking to God all about my problems, I start telling my problems all about my God. Every big problem has a big promise on the other side. I'm gonna stay faithful. I have hope. It's a constant expectation that God's working, even when I can't sense Him. Come on, if you got a problem tonight seems big, why don't you praise God in faith that there's a promise on the other side? God's like, Abraham, guess what? You're 75 and I'm just getting started with you. I don't know how old you are, how young you are, but if you have a pulse, you still have a purpose. God wants to use you. And Abraham's like, okay, let's go for it. And so Abraham steps out in faith, 75. This isn't crazy, this is nasty, folks. What are we talking about, making babies, 75? Nana? He steps out in faith. Now watch this. Here's our problem. Here's us. Here's our problem. He steps out in faith. And if I can once again use the analogy, he goes into the waiting room. He's backstage waiting for his scene to be called. And our problem is that we read our Bible, and you go from Genesis 12 to whatever it is, Genesis 21, it takes you five minutes. But for Abraham, it wasn't a five-minute journey. It was a 20-year journey. This guy didn't have like a long day. It was a couple decades before God shows back up. Like some of you got a word last Sunday when Jabin was preaching, and it hasn't come to pass yet, you're like, oh my God, I am so deferred. No, you're not. No. Time does not disqualify the promise. It typically validates the promise. What you have to decide in your life is do you want to swell or do you want to grow? When God builds a mushroom, he takes about six hours. But when he builds an oak tree, he takes 60 years the bigger the promise, the more time it's going to take. Abraham gets the promise in Genesis 12. It's not until Genesis 21, when this dude's a hundred years of age, that God shows back up on the scene. And he's like, "Um, this time next year, you're going to have a baby boy. The Bible says that Sarah overhears this from God and starts to laugh. (laughs) You ever have like a teacher that's like, you know, correcting you, and for some reason you just get the the spirit of giggles, or (laughs) She starts to laugh. Why? Because she says, this is way too impossible. Friends, let me tell you, there's some promises God has for your life that if others were to overhear it, they would start to laugh. But listen to me loud and clear. Let them laugh. We serve the God who always gets the last laugh. He takes the impossible and he turns it in to the possible. He's a God who's got big promises. Come on, if you believe he's got some big promises in store for you, tonight you got an anchor and it's called hope. And the writer says, we can be confident because God was faithful to Abraham. The Bible says that Sarah, she gives birth to Isaac. Isaac, the son of laughter, the son of grace. He shows up on the scene and it's through his seed that a nation begins to form. And I love it because this is what the writer says. The writer says, when God makes an oath, he swears by himself. He said, when man, when you and I, when we make oaths, you've done this before, like you want to promise something to someone, you're like, yo, here's the deal. I promise you, I swear on my mama's grave. I swear on my kid's grave. We swear on something bigger than ourselves. But when God came to make a promise to Abraham, there was no one greater than himself. So he swore by his own name. And last time I checked, my God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he should break his promise. If he makes you a promise, you can take it to the bank. You just got to stay faithful. You just got to patiently wait and it's going to come to pass. Don't tear the set down. Don't tear the marriage up. Don't tear the church up. You don't have to break things apart. You can learn how to patiently wait. I don't sense him, but I know he's there. He seems like he went quiet, but I believe that he's there. I got this assurance. I got this belief. I'm attached to something bigger than me. I'm attached to Jesus. I got this thing called hope. It's brewing. My faith is weak, but there's still hope there. And as my hope is brewing, I think faith is going to arise. And if faith arises, I can step out. This is what he says. He says, after he gives this illustration of Abraham, he says, so we have this hope. What hope? The hope that Abraham trusted God, believed, and God fulfilled the promise. If he did it for Abraham, he could do it for you. So we have this hope. What is this hope? This hope is an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. I started thinking to myself, what do we need an anchor for our soul? Why do we need that? I want to just give you two quick things. I want you to just write these down. These are really, really quick, but these are going to be helpful come Thursday when you want to quit your job. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Come Friday when your kids are just annoying you. You're going, I got hope, I got hope. You're going to grow out of this. (laughs) Number one, first reason why you need an anchor for your soul is because an anchor keeps the boat from drifting. Anchor keeps the boat from drifting. When I first... Moved to Miami. I was 14 years of age, 1998. I grew grew up in Tacoma, Washington. And we moved across the nation. My dad took over a little urban inner city church. And it was very, very... Different from me moving from Washington to Miami, Miami is a different place. It's like another country and everything about it, the food, the culture, the topography, the people, the weather, it's all different. But the one thing that is the same is that even in Washington, there's this thing called the ocean and down in Miami, there's this thing called the ocean. I always loved the water. My dad's a good dad. And so I think he was trying to bring some normalcy back to my life and we didn't have a whole lot of money, but he made the best out of it. We lived on this little canal and I don't think he could afford a real boat. So he got me a canoe. I would take the canoe out after school. I was like, Pocahontas out there, just like, (laughs) just crushing it. And dad was always very, very clear. Rich, when you bring the canoe home, make sure that you tie it up. Make sure you put the anchor down. And I was 14, and so you know how 14-year-olds can be. Yeah, 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 dad, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I came home one day, and I I, I loosely tied it to the dock, and I I went to school, and I came back that day. It It was beautiful weather. The sun was out. It was a gorgeous day in Miami. But when I got home, Got to the dock, and I found that the boat had fully drifted away. And I learned a principle. That a boat without an anchor can drift even on a calm day. I got to be honest with you. I think the American church, I don't know if it's the big bad storms that cause us to drift as much as we think, as much as oftentimes it's you and I settling for the good thing instead of waiting for the great thing that somehow we 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 get into church and somehow we just get into the comfort of the whole thing and we just get comfortable just going through the motions and we just get comfortable showing up and we get comfortable punching our card and although we're doing the part what we don't realize is is that we've let go of hope we've quit believing for a bright future and somehow we've started to drift even though the weather is calm Many of us in this place, we've allowed ourselves to drift into apathy. We've allowed ourselves to drift into complacency. And we've chosen good things, not bad things, good things to take the place of the great thing that God wants to do. See, even on a calm day without an anchor, you can drift. You say, well, Rich, how do I know if I'm living with hope? Well, I think it's pretty simple. Real hope is a constant expectation that God's working even when I can't sense him. Listen to this. Expectation always leads to preparation. What does that mean? Well, if you're really expecting God to do something, you'll prepare for it. Like when a farmer plants a seed, he doesn't cry over the seed. He's not like, oh my God. Oh, my favorite seed. Oh. Doesn't throw a funeral for the seed. Everyone gather around, (laughs) I planted this, oh my God. No, no, no. He plants it and now he has an expectation that there's a harvest coming about. But how many of you know his expectation doesn't leave him there, it leads him to prepare for the harvest. He gets the tools, he gets the crew, we got a harvest coming, let's start preparing. Some of you, you you say you're living with hope, but are you preparing or are you drifting? (laughs) Because real expectation leads to preparation. If God blessed you with what you've been praying for, would you even be ready? There's some dude here now he's like, yo dog, I need a wife Lord, give me a wife bro. Do you even have a job? Well I, I, I was going to get the wife first, that's the wrong order. If God blessed you with the thing that you were believing for, would you even be ready? See, see, see real hope, a constant expectation, it's always seeing the fact that you're preparing for something. I'm getting ready. I'm just preparing. I'm stretching. Just in case God does call my number, I want to be ready. In Miami right now, I believe that we are in a bona fide revival in the heart of Miami. I believe it, man. Last year, we saw 2,000 people give their life to Jesus. We're in a middle school. We don't have all the resources, but we're preparing for a revival. And sometimes people come to our church and like, what's going on? How'd this, how this all happen? This is amazing. You guys, whoa, is it the Instagram? Is it the cool clothes? Is it the lights? How'd you do it? And I want to say, like, it didn't start last year. I- I've been preparing th- for this since I was 17. I-, I can go back to going to Bible college at 18 and having a burden for God to move on my Bible college campus. Like, that doesn't even make sense. We're all here studying for the ministry. WE NEED A REVIVAL! Like... And we launched a prayer meeting on Thursday nights. But every time we had to pray, I knew that they needed an exhortation before the prayer. And so I would show up with five minutes. Five minutes would turn into ten minutes. And there was only ten people, but I shouted like it was 10,000. What was I doing? I was preparing. I saw something different. It wasn't there yet, but there was an expectation. Oh, this is about to turn. I remember one, this is a true story. One time I drove across the state of Georgia five hours to preach to a youth group. When I got there, there was five kids in the audience. I still used a microphone. Why? Because I didn't see five people. I saw 15 years from now, five services in the heart of Miami, people meeting Jesus. I got an expectation. I better start preparing for the miracle. I got some seed in the ground. Come on, if you got seed in the ground tonight, give God a shout of praise over this place. I don't see it yet, but it's on the way. I got an anchor, it's called Hope. I don't want to drift. I don't want to live complacent. I got one life I want to get everything I got, man. And if you're really living with hope, you start living prepared. You know, in Miami right now, we just had a really kind of cool miracle. It just took place. We just, we just signed a lease on our first office space. I know, I know, I'm excited too. Thank you for, thank you for being excited about our blessing. And um, <clears throat> it's an office space, you know, and but I, how, we, we don't call it the office space. office space. No, 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 no. We, we changed that real quick. We don't have an... The, an office space has never changed the world. That's called the headquarters. That's the revival center. That's the flagship store, bro. I don't have an office, I never had one of those, no, headquarters. And, and I remember, I remember we were getting ready to sign this lease. I got a text from this girl on our team. Her name is Jerry. She goes, "Um," she goes, Pastor Rich, she goes, oh my goodness, I'm hearing the news that we're signing a lease on an office space. And she goes, I'm so excited because two years ago when we started meeting in your apartment, eating Olive Garden and singing worship songs, I just knew that one day we'd have an office. So I got a Pinterest board going that says VU Church Offices and so as soon as you're ready to decorate let me tell you, I've already got a plan in motion. I thought to myself, We need some Pinterest boards for our dreams. You need a Pinterest board for your marriage. You need a Pinterest board for your plans. You need to prepare like God is going to show up and do it. I've got an expectation that leads to preparation. Come on, church. If you believe it tonight. Worship team can start coming up here. You're not going to get complacent. No, it's the opposite. When you put an anchor down, you're saying, I'm preparing. Isn't it amazing that this writer, he doesn't say, you know what? You know what your soul needs? It needs more power. He doesn't say your soul needs a better job. He says your soul needs an anchor called hope. That you need to live life every single day with this constant expectation that God's going to show up. God's going to fulfill his promise. And I don't want to drift even in the calm weathers. Number one, an anchor provides a boat, an ability not to drift. But number two, an anchor provides stability in the midst of the storm. And it's not a question, once again, if, if you're going to go through a storm. It's a question of when. And you don't know when it's going to come, but you've got to prepare for it. And the way you prepare for it is by putting an anchor deep down into the waters and it's called hope. That even when I can't sense God, even when He feels far, even when He feels silent, I believe He's working. There's a seed in the ground. I don't know what kind of life storm you might be going through and in a room this size I wanna be sensitive enough that there's people that are going through stuff right now that you feel you are being tossed, you are being twisted, you're going back and forth in the storm. It'd be very easy to start listing life storms. Some of you are in the life storm of disappointment. Maybe you had a dream and you stepped out and just, man, it just didn't go the way you wanted it to go and you're disappointed. The thing with disappointment that's the worst about it is not actually the disappointment itself, it's what happens after disappointment psychologists will use a very common analogy. They'll tell the story as an example of a, of a high school boy who has a crush on the pretty girl in school and he finally musters up enough courage to ask her out. When he does, she denies him. And so the next time he goes to ask another girl out, he, he just kind of goes for someone who's not in her league because what he's doing is, is he's defending himself and he's just lowering his standard because that's what disappointment will do. Some of you in this place, you just lowered your standards because of disappointment. Maybe it's been a life storm of fear. I don't know. The fear just, like you want to go for it. You want to believe again. But every time you get, it's fear hits you in the face. There's only one of three things you can do with fear. You can either run from fear, see a fear. You can either pick up and carry fear everywhere you go. Or you can make a decision to walk through fear. All of what God has for you, it's on the other side of your fear. Maybe it's something that happened physically to you, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're here tonight right now and you just got a bad report from the doctor, maybe you wake up every day in pain, maybe you wake up every day and you have a life sentence. I have no idea what it is. I know in our house, my little brother Graham, he's right beneath me, when he was six months of age, he was misdiagnosed and he had spinal meningitis, and it took his life. It was a crazy deal. He died on the table, dead for over 10 minutes. Somehow, by the grace of God, he was revived, brought back to life, but he was given a horrible report. He never walked, never talked, never see, never hear. They said he'd be a vegetable his whole life. Praise God for Jesus. He, he shows up, and He's still a healer, that by his stripes we are healed. Graham walks, he talks, he sees, he hears. But his miracle has not been immediate. Because of his situation, he's suffered severe brain damage, and every year it seems like he improves, but every year he has new challenges. I remember when I was a kid, I'd be in the mall, I can remember vividly, I've I've got memories as I close my eyes. My little brother Graham, like getting overwhelmed, that he would get so overwhelmed that he would throw these tantrums that were just uncontrollable. And I have these memories right now. Graham, probably eight years of age, stripping his clothes in a mall, running around. And I can remember other moms in the mall looking at my mother and talking, going, who is this woman? Why can't she get control of her kid? And I just remember this like anger, you know? Like this, this anger and Bitterness towards God, going, God, I don't, why would you do that to them? Like, these are good people. These are preachers. They love you. Like, why would you allow this to happen? And the wind blows, and the storm, it rocks you. It wasn't until I was much older that I caught a revelation, and the revelation's pretty simple. I think it'll help you tonight, and that is, you don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. God, he works in the midst of all of the mixed up stuff and he can show up. You know that Graham has gone all over the world. We were talking about today at lunch and he's shared his story and young people by the thousands have been inspired and even given their life to Jesus because Graham gets on a platform and even in his weakness, God's grace shows up and he's glorified through his vessel. God's, God's got a plan. I don't know, we could go through them. Maybe you're here and like, maybe you made a mistake. Maybe you like, you did something that you are not proud of and you're like, I screwed it up. Like, there's no hope for me. I'm disqualified. I'm counted out. I was thinking, honestly, on the way over here, I was thinking, my wife and I, I wish you could meet her. Her name's Dawn Tree. You'll love her. She's the most awesome girl. We just celebrated ten years of marriage, praise God. Yeah, praise God. Ten years. Ten years of marriage. And I was thinking, when I first met Dontre, I was 17 years of age, I was like in a kind of a church service, sort of like this, and I'm sitting on the front row, and I look up, and there's this girl, and like, I was like, oh my gosh, she's gorgeous, and I felt like she had Beyonce fans, I think her hair was like blowing, and just every boom everything she just it just wow i just said i choose you i just named it and claimed it and oh god it was a great day and um we met and we were with each other for like three or four hours but i got nervous you know and so i never i never asked her for a number and i was just like ah, i was nervous and so we left but but i'm a proactive guy and so i hunted and i figured out her number i found her number I remember I got I got I got to the room that night, and I called her. She didn't pick up, but I left her a message. I said, "Hey, I said, hey, hey, hey this is Richie uh, Wilkerson, and uh, we met we met today, and so lovely meeting you, and strolling with you. I just maybe maybe you could call me back sometime, and I'm gonna marry you." No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's freaking weird. Oh. I hung up the phone. My my older brother knew Don Shree. They had a friendship before. And he came into the bedroom and saw the phone sitting there. He thought it'd be funny. So he, so he picked up the phone and he proceeded to call her 38 times. <laughs> this guy's been screwing up my life since Bozo the Clown. <laughs> 38 times? What are we... And I walked in, I said, oh my God, I've blown it. And I went back into the waiting room. And I'm pacing and I'm pacing and I'm going, she's never going to call me back. I have screwed this up. I have jacked this up. It is over. I am done. I really royally messed this up. Some tonight, that's what you look like. You said, I did something. My mistake. My mishap. My misdeed rich. Come on, man. He can't use me. There's no hope for me, man. There's no hope for me. But friends, come on. Right here in Hebrews 6. Isn't this the gospel? Isn't this the good news? That we're all unqualified. But God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He calls us back. Always calls us back. Spoiler alert! She called me back. Been blessing her for ten years. <laughs> God calls you back. In fact, He's calling you back tonight. He's saying you can't keep living this way. It's time to put an anchor deep down into the waters. That when the storms come in, they will come, that you can bend, but you don't have to break. I love this thought, right? Because it's not about the strength of the anchor, it's not how beautiful the anchor is, it's about what is the anchor attached to? And my anchor is not attached to anything else other than the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Come on, is there anybody out there? It's not the strength of my faith, it's the object of my faith. His name's Jesus. And I'm attached to him. And I'm going to believe, even when I can't sense him, that he's working. And I'm going to prepare myself for the blessing that he has for me. I'm done. I'm way over my time, but praise God, i got to fly. Here's my last thought. I've been reading for 33 years, Proverbs 13 wrong for 33 years. I've been reading it wrong. Because I was reading it, and it says, hope deferred hope postponed hope delayed makes the heart grow sick and what i did is i took out the word hope you know what i did i put in my breakthrough deferred makes my heart grow sick i said my promise deferred makes my heart grow sick i said my healing postponed makes my heart grow sick, my financial miracle deferred makes my heart grow, my dream deferred makes my heart grow sick, but that's not what the Word says. It doesn't talk about your breakthrough. It doesn't talk about your dream. It says one word, and that word is hope, that I have a constant expectation, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the conditions, regardless of how bad it looks. When I give up hope, that's when my heart begins to grow sick. But tonight, I got a feeling that right here at Free Chapel in Orange County, that hope is rising up in this place, that people are putting anchor deep down in the water tonight. And I'm going to not have to break. I'm not going to have to quit. I'm going to make it all the way to the other side. Come on. Does anybody in this house tonight believe it? Come on. Give God a big shout of praise over this house. Come on. Come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.